Welcome to another edition of the Insurance AUM Journal podcast. My name is Stuart Foley, and I'll be your host standing with you at the corner of insurance and asset management with a very unique guest today, Dr. Shar Hugh. Welcome, Dr. Hugh. Thanks for having me. We're glad you're on. A lot of times on my guests, I already know them, right? And that helps. And then I'll often know we'll actually have some commonality about investment and whatever, and that helps. You and I don't know each other. I got this email from your publicist that says, and the headline read, the helper bees grow 200% in 2020, helps 12,500 families with home care. And I'm like, that's insure tech. That sounds cool. Can I do a podcast with him? And you were kind enough to say yes. So can you tell me what's a helper bee and what do you guys do? Sure. Yeah. It's interesting because we are an insure tech company. We, we deal with some of the world's largest insurance carriers. Our brand doesn't scream that, right? So I think that was impressed. What grabbed you is the helper bees doesn't scream B2B data analytics software company, but it's an important part of who we are. We're what we call claimant focused right now, which is we deal with older adults who are on claim, meaning they need long-term care services and the branding going all the way back to our roots tends to resonate really well with them and sort of the target demographic of our services. Yeah, we are an insure tech company. That just means we use technology to help insurance companies uh, through quite a bit of their processes. As I alluded to right now, it's on the claim side. So we don't do any of the underwriting, put an asterisk yet. But what we try to do is keep older adults independent at home. And it turns out that some really large insurance products really find that mission to be in line with some of their significant needs. So you're very early on, right? You've got, you're going through initial rounds of funding. You just raised $6 million in a Series A funding. A lot of our audience are private equity folks, and they know this space well. You're growing like mad. Can you talk a little bit about, you referenced where you started can you get us from kind of where you started to where you are right now? And then from there, let's go to where you're, where you're going. Sure. Yeah, we grew rapidly. We still are early stage. As you mentioned, we closed an A round and we waited to do an A. We uh, were essentially self-funded uh, friends and family slash angel money for as long as we could. I love raising angel capital, great supporters of us as individuals. So for our founding story, me, as well as my other two co-founders, Eric Coram and Danny Lynch. We've had a long history in forming companies that deliver support services to older adults. So that's through dementia facilities, Medicare home health, Medicare hospice. And so essentially through my late 20s, it was figuring out actually how to deliver services because I had no clue to older adults. Then we paired up with Danny and started to build technology to help some of the services we have hit scale. And what we realized at a very early stage in our company was that the data capture capabilities for pulling data out of the home and using that data in order to improve care were significant. And we wanted to play the leading role in that. Nobody was thinking about that. Everyone thought about non-medical home care as like a fun thing or a thing that you might need. It was never like healthcare. So that's, that's really the origin story of where we wanted to take it. Okay. So I don't know beans about this. Here's what I do know. My grandmother contracted dementia and Alzheimer's, had a terrible, terrible extended battle with it and ultimately took her life many years ago. It is incredibly important what you do. But when you talk about, and it is a data-driven business, when you talk about data coming out of the home, can you give us an example of what you're talking about at just a, at kind of a high level? 
Sure. So I'll speak it through the insurance lens. Long-term care insurers, when we enter the industry, um, almost universally collect, every time you have a home care visit, collect about 12 data points. And so what that is, is a caregiver comes into the home, what do they do? Do they provide you care in the restroom, showering, helping you get out of your chair? Do they help run errands? So can you imagine from a data perspective, you have thousands of individuals receiving care and every single day they're getting 12 data points. Not only that, but you know what you call utilization, how many hours of care are being delivered. And so if you plot that on a longitudinal axis by claimants, lo and behold, you've got a picture of your entire claims block and their health. And so for us, that was a huge opportunity because it was all on paper, which you might hear quite a bit, like in the insurance industry, quite a bit of insure tech is just digitizing the entire process. So Absolutely. we came in and wanted to digitize the invoicing process. That was our first product. But secretly, not so secretly, we realized, well, you've got all this other data, like let us digitize that and give you insight. So for instance, I mentioned something called balance. So balance or falls, as most people know, are one of the significant contributing factors to institutionalization, premature institutionalization. Well, we track balance. And so you have a balance score, can you just imagine at, at one particular level, the minute that starts to spike, that's when intervention should come in. That's when a care manager or care concierge needs to come in and interact. And so with the data, it's not just data for data's sake, we use the data for real life interventions in real time, which really did not exist before we started digitizing this data. So if I'll just try and translate a little bit, just to, you know, I'm from Missouri, so you got to bear with me. Uh, they, sorry, Missouri. It's basically tracking when people begin to fall, right? My grandmother fell and people say, well, she fell and broke her hip. What they told me was a lot of times the hip breaks and then they fall. So That's one right. way or the other, that lack of mobility to your point, or the way you phrase it, I think, is prematurely, I don't know, what, what's the right term? Yeah, yeah. So It gets more expensive. Let's put it that way. For sure it does. It gets more expensive, and it, the whole premature aspect is important. So if we take the finances out of it just temporarily, but let's take it out, it's like, can you, from a caregiving perspective, if you happen to know the answer beforehand, could you put something in place? The goal is, of course, this is aging. We're, we're all going to lose at this. In my facilities, we talked about that when we trained still to this day, that we're fighting a losing battle. The key is, can you increase quality of life full stop? And so with the data, it's the falls. So the falls can be some of the interventions could be physical therapy that Medicare will cover. It can be an occupational therapist coming in realizing you have a million rugs and we probably got to remove those. But we also track things like food insecurity or medication management. We can also ask custom questions. So early on giving away secrets, we realized that when you have this powerful tool of data being able to be siphoned out, you want to ask a million questions, but we landed on one, which is, do they need the same, less, or more care? And then encapsulate quite a bit, right? Because now from an analytics engine, you're just tracking a baseline. And anytime it goes up or down, that's when you start to intervene. And so not always focusing on the negative, when people actually improve, you want to lean into that, right? You want to say, how did you do that? Let me encourage you to continue because quite a few individuals, whether it be Medicare Advantage or a long-term care insurance claims, they're on what's called recoverable conditions. They could get better. You know, when you're advanced dementia, that's not the case. And what we're really trying to do is avoid acute conditions, falls, elopement issues that re result in that premature institutionalization. And we use data to, to figure out who to target. That's really interesting. And I mean, the insurance industry loves data and the ability to try and get proactive 
right? I mean, the best loss is the one that you prevented. It's not only financial, it's better for the person receiving the care too, right? Of course, it's, you know, you don't, nobody wants the person to be injured or no one wants that. So in terms of your business, you added a lot of new team members last year. That is clearly an outlier in 2020. You had a massive increase in your business in 2020. Again, that's a total outlier. How'd you do it? A little bit of luck, I think. Well, a lot of it of luck and just an insane amount of hard work. So one of our businesses, our product lines was nursing assessments. And uh, these are a really powerful tool for a, a lot of different uh, insurance lines. And this is where typically a registered nurse or licensed healthcare practitioner goes out to a home and assesses an individual. We assess their care support network, their living conditions, everything, how they move around, which is really important, cognitive status. Well, can you imagine February of last year, an insurance carrier sending somebody to an older adult's home started to prove to be a very risky thing. So we launched this. Uh, so we launched you know, virtual assessments. And so the ability to do an assessment, follow around, still view their restroom, still view their kitchen, the important thing about it was less the technology, and this is something we had learned sort of in our first two years of working with large insurance carriers, it was that we could tell large carriers, you don't have to change any of your claims process, full stop, right? So all you got to do is like, we'll still do your assessments. We will have our technology, our technology feeding it back to you will conform to your current claims processes. And I think that's what really appealed to individuals. It wasn't, hey, you have to conform to this really cool new technology. We're going to change a bunch of different things so that it works. It's don't worry about it. All you're doing is changing the conduit for information. So that led to quite a bit of growth. A lot of very large carriers were worried about essentially business continuity and we prevented that from sort of being a concern. And so you alluded to the staff growth. Quite a bit of that was clinical staff. We added 90 plus nurses in 42 states. I think it's a current count. Wow. So even if we're virtual, we comply with nursing licensure. So yeah, 42 states, that is insanely difficult uh, to do in a very short amount of time. I think it was less than three months time that we scaled up that quickly. Are you, uh, are you operating in all 50 states now? Or what's your uh, footprint? Yep. All 50 states, DC and Puerto Rico. So one of our products is, is all over the U.S. Good for you. And so to this point, you said friends and family. Are you, from a funding perspective, do you have PE partners? How is that shaping up? Because I mean, most of our clients, most of our audiences are investment types, and they're probably going to be yep. interested in hearing kind of how that's gone. Yeah, so angel rounds at first until our Series A, and we did an A round recently with the great group out of Austin that were ecstatic for their participation. Post A, that's when PE is starting to become interesting or interested in us, rather, considering our growth rate continues. It will continue through 2021. So I, I've been taking more and more meetings with PE firms who are starting to move down into the BC markets. Um, we're a little bit unique since we're technology-enabled services as well as software in that we keep a very close eye on gross margins which I think is important for PE. We're not the typical startup who is going to have an, a business model that is maybe project profitability out several years. Like our goal is to be all our unit economics are solid. We're building a lot of software, which is expensive, but as long as your gross margins are are reasonable, we've got a pretty good plan and, and that plan will be will come to fruition this year. So I think that I've had more and more conversations with PE firms, I guess, put it that way. And your demographics couldn't be better, right? I mean, you're riding a huge wave of older Americans, which are effectively the baby boomers. And I'm at the very tail end of that at 56. And so 
you've got a lot of greenfield market. You went up 200% last year, but it sounds to me like you could easily hit the afterburners from here. Yeah, we'll continue to grow. I mean, we'll probably triple again this year. Zooming out a little bit and going back to like why we play in the insurance space, like as you had mentioned, baby boomers. I mean, there's a lot of superlatives being thrown around around the aging of America, but also the aging of the world. Largest transfer of wealth, most significant demographic shift humanity has ever seen. The issue, though, is that most Americans cannot afford long-term care, like the care that they will need. And when Absolutely. I say long-term care, to drive that line, it, it's not health care. It's, it's, it's all the care. When I say long-term care, and especially on the non-medical side, it's a caregiver coming home and assisting you with what we call activities of daily living. This is getting a little wonky, but this is like whatever you did in your home. Like I got dressed, brushed my teeth, you know, got breakfast, all of these, are, these sort of non-medical issues. But also, like Medicare doesn't cover home care, doesn't cover an assisted living facility, doesn't cover an independent living facility. And so when you think about what you're talking about, the total addressable market, so using investor speak, it's massive. The problem is those individuals who can actually afford it are, are fairly small. So going straight to a consumer route was something we've always wanted to do, but it's challenging from an economics perspective from an early company. So what do we do? We followed, what does that census curve in the US really impact? It's those with the liabilities. And so those are the payer sources. And so that's why we end up focusing on long-term care insurance and very soon we'll announce something in health plans. So in Medicare Advantage, a pretty significant deal there. And what we're building on with these large enterprise clients is building out what I'll call the corpus of data when it comes to aging. So we have, I already mentioned the home care data, but we also have that nursing data and we have what's called care concierge data, which is this massively important study, which is a longitudinal study of how to keep people out of facilities. And we're doing this with one of the largest carriers, CNA insurance. And it's, it's a really ambitious study. But when you look at what we have is we have before you go on claims, so using insurance speak while you're on claim and actually how to prevent you from increasing your claims costs all on the same data model. So what we will do is understand aging in America from a data perspective better than almost anybody from a non-medical perspective. Then you take that to straight to, to you, to the end consumer who doesn't have long-term care insurance, which is the vast majority of older adults. Because then you can say, I've got the plan of care based on data to say, like, how do you keep your grandmother healthy? How do you stay healthy? And this is constantly adjusting. So the way I see it is very similar to underwriting where we're doing automated underwriting. With us, we have risk tiers in caregiving. And so you apply a plan of care for a particular risk tier and you lower the probability of an acute condition. That's where we think we're, we're heading with it is based on the payer sources and solving a really significant need there, you then are able to now take this straight to, to consumers. And that's, I mean, that's a huge win-win, right? It's a win for the industry, for the insurance industry, and it's a win ultimately for the person who needs the care, right? You know, it seems like a very, very good model and where, where things are heading. I mean, at the end of the day, you are saving insurers money on their claims and not a little bit, right? That's right. No, that's exactly right. And I think what you'll start to see, you had mentioned health plans and those who are a little bit more medically focused as your listenership. What we're seeing is I think this natural evolution when social determinants of health became really important. Now we're realizing non-medical home care is important with COVID and the pandemic, people realizing pushing all services at home is actually a really good thing. But did we have the infrastructure for this? Probably not. 
and it's very fragmented. And so that's where I think you'll start to see more and more health plans being interested in it because so much happens in the home that's non-medical. What I mean by that is you don't need a physician to write you a note because you know you can't tie your shoes, right? Like you need assistance, you need devices. If you can't open a pill bottle, you need a med dispensing device. And so what we're doing with that common data platform is actually creating the ability for the huge, large scale of health plans to extract data at scale. Because if you're dealing with every single caregiver in the US, it's, it's obviously too fragmented. There's n- nothing talks to each other. It's almost like going back in time with our information now and saying, all right, we need an EHR solution. We need an electronic medical record solution and everyone needs to use the same one or else it's going to be a colossal mess. So essentially we're at that bleeding customer. We're like saying, don't do that anymore. How about we do this? And like, let's just sort of systematize it so that you can start to extract that data because there's no way that they don't need this here in the very near term future. That's really cool. So I appreciate all the business side of things. I'd like to know a little bit more about you. Can you just tell me, give me your background. How'd you get here? And then I'm going to ask you to give our younger listeners some advice because I always ask the same question. People, I always, I'm like sneaky with this one. So what's your background? How'd you get here? Pretty big nerd, apparently, as I've been told <laughs> by someone on my team. Um, so I went to, I was an electrical engineer. I didn't think I was a nerd, but apparently I am. So when I was an electrical engineer and then went to grad school. So my doctorate is in molecular biophysics. So I was using supercomputers to study why proteins fold. Much like you, my grandmother was diagnosed with dementia. And so, as I'd mentioned, in my late 20s, my family, we wanted to found dementia facilities sort of in her legacy. And so we started that. I came on because I was a nerd. I had no real world experience. Uh, my mom said, you got to do something other than being in school. I, I went to college at 16. And so I started in the facilities and quickly realized I had no idea how to do anything when it came to dementia care. So late 20s, I, I tell my staff, I, I spent a lot of time mopping floors, cooking, because I had no clue how to hire. So learned very quickly on the job, built another dementia community, and it's all evidence-based. They're wonderful, just north of Austin. I always say we're on 15 acres. We got sheeps, goats, donkeys, oh, wow. horns. Uh, wow. Actually, in our job description for our, our leadership, it's almost like you have to be able to put livestock back in their pens because they routinely <laughs> get out, which is rare. So don't tell the risk managers on this call that just to <laughs> yeah, leave that right. out. Don't, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll edit that part out, Dr. Hugh. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Turns out longhorns <laughs> are risky uh, to have. From there, though, I started, I've always had a bit of the small business bug. Uh, my parents are immigrants and I've founded multiple companies and, and so had a founding role in Medicare Home Health and Medicare Hospice. And then the health reviews came about because we felt like we were part of the problem and we knew technology would help it. And so with our founding team, we all have software backgrounds. They joke mine is is an archaic uh, programming <laughs> language called Fortran yeah. that physicists like to use. I was a physicist, so they make fun of me, but I, I can program. And so the idea was, how do you marry technology and long-term care, which really over the last five years is gaining a little bit of steam. But when we st- first were founded, it just, nobody thought it was something you should do. Cause like, how are you going to extract this data? Like somebody caregivers just going into the home. All I care about the hours that they go in and the billable time. So long story short, like all of that experience, it's, it's almost like we created the perfect company for me, for our team, which is just How do we help older adults, which is something we've been passionate about for 12, 13 years, but use technology in a way that's kind of sneaky, like it's behind the scenes, right? It's not like in your face. It's we're behind the scenes, we're collecting that data, and we're we're sort of distributing the insights in a way that's really easily digestible. That is really cool. You're one of those guys that showed up at college at 16. As a college professor, I've seen guys like that. Those guys are 
scary smart. So did you get through college in, was it four years or less than four? I ended up doing a little bit less than four. Okay. The reason I ask, I'm asking, I'm going to do the math. So here we go. You're 19 and a half. You're walking across the stage of getting your diploma. Got your cap on, got your gown on, looking good. Now, you, the president of the college or university you went to hands you the diploma, shakes your hand, and you walk off that stage. At the bottom of the stairs, you run into yourself today. Now, given this COVID business and all the environment that we're in politically and everything else, what advice do you give your 19-year-old self? That's an interesting question. So I think the first thing that hits my brain is all the weird stuff you're into, keep going. For whatever reason, my 19-year-old self, I had always wondered, like, I always was interested in a lot of different things. And I'm like, well, does this actually matter? And so it turns out it does. So I think if you have hobbies or interests or, you know, weird things that you're sort of nerd out on, you learn quite a bit from those. And it's not just your didactic learning. It's not just your coursework. What it, what it is, is it creates you a very well-rounded approach to how you see the world. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's really important. So I think specialization is great, but when you're young, like, or even now, just learn everything about everything because it impacts your worldview. You don't know what's going to happen in your company. And so what you need is that that well-rounded experience based and to know when to juke or to know to go deep into a really nerdy area. That is great advice. It's so fun. I've really enjoyed talking with you and really appreciate you taking the time to come on and educate me. I've always say I'm the guy that gets the best deal out of this because I get to learn from the most interesting people. And so I just really wanted to say thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Good stuff. Dr. Shar Hugh of the Helper Bees, InsureTech, killing it in the long-term care space. We really appreciate you being on. For our listeners, thanks for following us. If you hear something you like, tell your friends. If you have ideas, please email us at podcast at insuranceaum.com. My name is Stuart Foley, and this is the Insurance AUM Journal Podcast. Podcast.